0: campfire fireside chats
1: this show is created for adult audiences only our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information we strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing let's begin welcome campers to this week's fireside chat just a couple of quick announcements then we'll get to this week's guest Starting with Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash campfire, tales of the strange and unsettling. Choose a tier that best suits your preference, and get access to exclusive and discounted merch, behind-the-scenes looks at the writing and editing process, two weekly shows, Lights Out, an exploration of short horror, and Midweek Weird, a in news update. We have a couple of bigger monthly shows in the works as well. In addition to all this, you can get monthly swag bags, So what are you waiting for? Get over there. If you want the whole world to know that you're a diehard camper, go find the link in this episode's description, or go through our link tree and go check out our merch store. Stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, all with fantastic designs by Jonathan Dodd, Easton Hawk, and the Crescent Hare. While you're in that link tree, tap on the Discord button and come join the community that we're building. Our Discord is a place where we can connect with all of you on a more personal level. So get over there and join the fun. And now to this week's guest. This week, we managed to pull one of our favorite people of all time away from his busy schedule long enough to sit down for this chat. He's a brilliant artist, an experiencer, and something that we appreciate above all else. He is genuinely curious. In addition to being the designer of our Public monster shirt... He's done design work for Small Town Monsters, Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company, Monsters Among Us, and countless other fantastic companies, filmmakers, and podcasters. We chatted this week about his personal experiences, his journey and process as an artist, and why our dads should be best friends. This is a very chill chat with a very chill guy. Enjoy. All right. Jonathan Dodd thank you for coming on
2: the show. Dude, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's a it's long time awesome. coming, I feel like.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, definitely.
1: We've been like, you know, connected online and working together. We did that shirt together a while back. But yeah, I'm I'm just stoked to have you on the show finally.
2: Yeah, I mean, the campfire chats are so cool. Um you've had some really awesome people on here, so I'm just honored to be here thank you for having
1: me yeah of course um really i wanted to start by just asking straight out like have you had any anomalous experiences oh uh, yeah <laughs> i i definitely have
2: um and well i what would you like to hear about
1: <laughs> I, have, I mean um, is it, there's like a menu to choose from sort, <laughs> sort of
2: um I've had a, a UFO experience. I've had a ghost experience. Um, and those are those are sort of my my two. Okay. That I that I talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I say just pick one and let's hear both of them.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, then um, we'll we'll start with the ghosts. Or actually, yeah. no, we'll we'll start. No, let's start with the UFO. Okay. Um, because the the ghost has had a uh, um sort of a part two. recent part two
1: excellent
2: all right so uh, the UFO experience um, I was driving um, back home from uh, I work at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond and I was you know headed back up to Fredericksburg and uh, on 301 um, I was sort of spaced out listening to a podcast you know just kind of you know, highway hypnosis sort of situation. And um, all of a sudden, sort of like a a blinking caught my attention, you know, up above my head. And I kind of looked up and I saw, you know, something sort of blinking in the sky. And then looked back down at the road, you know, my brain's just sort of said, airplane. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. It was standing still. So I looked back up at it and it was still standing in the same Area that I saw it before, right above the tree line, and I could make out you know, it was a you know, sphere like a it almost looked like a a disco ball, okay, (laughs) to to be honest, but you know, smooth, sort of like a you know, mirrored ball, Um, okay, and it it was either blinking or uh, reflecting the sun in sort of like a you know, like a signaling kind of way, and it it blinked at me three times. And then spun on its axis and disappeared. Ah. And it was, like, one of those situations where I was just, like... I kind of was like, (laughs) like, what was that? Like, that, that was so wild. And up until that point, like, I hadn't, like, really seen anything like that. And it was, you know, it was just, like there's no other explanation other than unidentified flying object <laughs> right at, the, at that point so
0: you just have to
1: yeah. like put it in that basket that's that's wild
2: yeah i'd never seen anything like that before
1: i always wonder when when you're in that situation for the first time like cuz you hear it a lot but i wonder if it's actually do you honestly like for a moment question your sanity yeah definitely 100%. You're like, did I, did I really see what I think I just saw? I,
2: you know how like in, you know, like comedy films or something, they'll see something and they'll be like, oh, yeah. you know, what was that? And yeah. you, just, it, you just think that that's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, what is that? It was so strange. Very strange. Yeah,
1: that's, yeah, that's what, like when you say it, because you said it spawned on its axis and then disappeared. Did it, like, move up? Or did it literally, like, fade was, into it invisibility? Was in the
2: same, it was in the same exact position the entire time as I was driving. Um, I was, you know, I had to, like, look down at the road every now and then. But, you yeah. know, I would look back up and still see it. And then and it would blink. And then it turned on... On its axis, and just it was—it was just like it just disappeared okay. out of thin air. It was—it wow. was
1: very strange. That's crazy. See, that feels like that feels like interdimensional to me, right? Like it just kind of faded into the fabric of reality
2: for that split second.
1: Either that, or some kind of like camouflage, maybe. It, see,
2: I, yeah, I mean, I—I I got more, yeah, more of like a
1: camouflage kind of okay. feel like it was just done showing you.
2: Yeah, it was just like either hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Oh wait. Nope. Shum- yeah. Gone.
1: Another thing that's common in those that I wonder about um Did you in the moment did you feel like it saw you? I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was like a connection.
2: I yeah. Yeah, and the moment that I was like locked on to it like Okay, I'm gonna see what this is. Then it then it disappeared. Oh man!
1: Yeah, yeah, that's bizarre.
2: It, yeah, it, it was it was super wild and it kind of blew my mind.
1: Yeah,
2: it definitely like sent me down a, a little bit more of a rabbit hole as well. Um, you know, I had always been into like weird stuff, you know, as a yeah. kid, and um, had never seen anything like that before. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I think it did kind of like prime me a little bit more for, you know, some of the weirder stuff.
1: Yeah, I I feel like that's the big difference. Like I always say that when like when people experience things when they're very young, they tend to over time rationalize them and like, you know, oh that must have just been you know I was a kid, mm-hmm. I was yeah it was probably my imagination or whatever it was, but. I feel like when you, when it sticks with you your entire life, when you're like 40 years old and you're still telling a story about a thing that happened when you were seven, right? It was probably as wild as you remember. Yes. You
2: know what I mean? Yes. That's actually a pretty good transition into my ghost story. Yeah. Because that's a situation that to this day I can still. You know, close my eyes and see this in my brain. <laughs> and this was, I think, I think it was either first or second grade
0: that oh, it happened.
2: Wow. Um, so I was a fairly young kid at the time. Yeah. Um, it was a, a field trip, an elementary school field trip um, to historic Kenmore. Kenmore was a plantation in Fredericksburg. Okay. Um, that I, there was a guy, uh, he was a wealthy merchant, his name was Fielding Lewis, and he married um, the sister of George Washington, Betty Washington.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, so this, you know, plantation, you know, was, you know, restored and, you know, they you know, take people through and give like historical um, tours and everything through this whole right. thing. And, um, so yeah, it was either first or second grade, um, and we were going through the house and there was, uh, you know, we were part of this, you know, longer tour and some of me and my buddies kind of like, you know, broke off from the back of the tour and we're just kind of like being, you know, bad kids and just like walking around and, you know, looking into rooms that we probably weren't supposed to be looking into and stuff like that. and.
1: Making the field trip fun.
2: Making the field trip fun, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and um, so there was this one room. Um, the door was sort of like halfway closed, and you could sort of see through, you know, the, the back of the door, sort of like the hinge part of the door. Um, and I can remember looking through that crack in the door and seeing... Somebody laying in this bed of this room and there, it was sort of like a whitish, it was like sort of like brownish white hair like hanging down out of the bed like, and then like the covers and then the hump of the person like laying in bed
1: okay. and
2: I can remember just being like that's super weird, like who is laying in this bed like historical bed like like yeah. and i can remember like just being like that's like the weirdest thing and it didn't even really dawn on me until like much later that you know that kenmore is a very haunted place right um, and so i you know from then on i was just like i wonder you know if i saw a spirit you know somebody who had once lived in that house um, who, you know, lays in that bed from time to time. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, and, you know, I, I always sort of, in the story, like when I'm telling people the story, um, you know, maybe it was just somebody, you know, on their lunch break, you know, one, one of the historical reenactors on their lunch break, you know, taking a yeah. little, you know, power nap or something like that. <laughs> um, and I told you, you know, just a, a second ago that there's sort of like a part two, like a very recent part two to this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a collaboration between um, our mutual friend Carly of uh, uh, the Village Terror Witch. Um, I told her this story, and I ended the story a very similar way. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, this could you know could totally be somebody on their lunch break, and she straight up says, "Well, let's see," <laughs> and she starts like pulling cards for this yes. Yes. and I'm like wait a minute we gotta like do like a collaboration on this like we gotta like do like a an Instagram thing for this and she yeah. was totally down for it um, so I like drew a portrait and stuff like this you know after, after our session and everything because um, what happened was um, we were trying to identify number one we were trying to figure out if this was actually somebody who had died and you know, still is around this area. Um, That was my number one question. Number two, who was it? Yeah. And then, you know, we kind of went on from there. Um, So she did figure out that, yes, it was somebody who had died. And I'm on, you know, on the other end of this conversation, like Googling and like, you know, kind of like going crazy, like um, doing some research um, as she's like pulling cards and like figuring stuff out, so one of the one of the things she says is, uh, it was a lady who, you know, married very young, and was not a hundred percent happy in this relationship, and then also had very young children die, like okay. um, two girls and a boy, and. I was like okay well I can figure this out So I started like googling stuff And um, Actually on the Wikipedia page for um, uh, Kenmore You know they have Everybody that's ever lived there Right. They have you know um, Family trees and everything like that And I found out That there were two women That were married to Fielding Lewis Um, One died Very young Uh, And then Betty Washington came into the picture. And then she actually had like 12 children, like 11 or 12 children uh, from Fielding Lewis. Um, And it was like two or three of them died very young. So we kind of landed on her that it was, it, it might be Betty Washington. Wow. That we were talking to and that I had seen
1: as a child famous ghosts it was yeah it was it was kind of cool yeah it it was a a really
2: cool experience
1: yeah i was yeah i was gonna say i'm pretty sure betty washington lost i believe it was her first three when she was still fairly young Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's wild
2: and i mean the the fact that she like just kind of Felt that <laughs> and yeah. was able to relay that to me, and then I'm on the other end, just like researching stuff, and then we yeah. were just like kind of throwing it back and forth, and just kind of narrowed down to that one person. Yep, it was it was just really cool. Yeah. And to you know the cherry on top of this whole thing, my last question uh, for Carly to ask Betty uh, was what she thought of the portrait that I drew of her, and yeah. the feelings that she got was like Betty was stoked about it like yeah. that people remember her and like uh, were still you know still cared about her really yeah and I, I mean I think that was really cool it just yeah. it made me feel good
1: good good yeah. yeah that's a nice ending yeah yeah. Carly's pretty incredible definitely, she, definitely. she's a gifted person for sure Everything she does reads so authentic to me. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Like, one hundred percent agree. For me, that's rare with with people in that field. You know what I mean? Yes. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people in the like in the psychics and readers, and I feel like a lot of those people are just making money, right? You know. And I don't. I've never got that from. Carly she's yeah she's pretty awesome I agree so like I wanted to ask were, I mean would you, were you already into sort of weird stuff at that time like when you were that young at the time that you saw um, the ghost or was I, that yeah I
2: mean I, I feel like I was definitely very aware of stuff like that um, even like as a, a little kid uh, my dad would my dad was like super into this stuff too like I mean he would like tell us stories, like me and my brother, like we grew up just, you know, fantasy stories and movies and books mm-hmm. and like all kinds of stuff. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think I, I, I definitely grew up with it. Nice.
1: Yeah, same here. I grew up hearing like crazy campfire stories from my dad and watching like all the unsolved mysteries and all that stuff that mm-hmm. everyone cites. Like my dad was way into all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of us grew... A lot of us that are in, like, in our 30s now and, like, late 20s, probably late 20s to early 40s, Mm -hmm. I feel like our parents' generation was really into weird shit.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: Like, my parents were into astrology, and they were into, like, cryptids, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. I
2: I remember my... Something that you know is is very inspiring to me is, um, my dad had these books. They were they were like really I can remember they were like really big books, um, but they just had a whole bunch of like um, art in them and stories. And they were um, one was called Giants and one was called Fairies. Okay. And I mean it was just like these these giant books filled with like these illustrations of you know, fey folk and giants. And I mean, I can just remember like sitting there just like pouring over these books and like trying to draw from them. And like, I mean, and that's, that's like a very early memory for me too. So, I mean, I feel like that's, that was a, that was instilled in me very young.
1: That's cool. That's yeah. That's really cool. My, yeah, my dad was way into like Norse mythology and like, I don't know, a bunch of weird stuff. I feel like they were all into weird stuff, which you know we kind of got to reap the benefits of. It was the seventies, bro. Yeah, yeah, like that weird transition between like the hippie sixties and the yuppie eighties. Yeah, you know, they were like right Yeah, it got (laughs) real weird in the seventies.
2: I would go back. I would go back to that period. Oh yeah,
1: that yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be a fun time for sure somewhere between, like, weed and cocaine. <laughs> right? It got weird. It got real weird. Uh, okay, so, like, how would you say that you're, that, like, your focus on, like, on Fortean phenomenon, how has that changed your approach to art itself?
2: Um, well, I think... At this point, like I'm, I'm trying to just tell stories, really, and I think that that's like the, the inspiration from those types of stories, as like kind of translated into my art. At this point, like I want to, I want to be able to tell stories like that, but it like with one frame, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, it definitely does.
2: Um, so I think to answer your question, yeah, it, I mean it's it's story driven. It, it has become story driven I'm not just trying to paint you know a pretty field or something like that like right. I want to paint the feeling you get when you're in a tent and a Sasquatch is sitting above you and is about to poke the top of your tent in right. and you know you're just sitting in there like scared out of your mind like that's, that's the kind of feeling that I want to evoke
1: that's awesome I think that's that's probably the approach of all great artists is to, they want to tell a story in a, in a single frame, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think you worded it really well. Like, when you look at, like, the Café Terrace from Van Gogh, like, that is a story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's... I feel like all the best art in history tells a story, right?
2: You, I mean, you want to be... There, yeah, in that moment, listening to what everybody is saying, you know, I mean, yeah. like in that in that situation, yeah I, I totally I get it,
1: yeah, I mean the like the example I use the cafe terrace, like you can almost hear like music coming out of windows and like you know you can feel like the warmth of the light from the cafe and like it it's mm-hmm. it's a place, it's a real yeah. place in the world, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I think that's cool. I love that, like, your... kind of the fact that you've gotten into the stories in the 14 stuff has kind of, like, pushed you to that level with your art, you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: yeah. Because, I mean, before, like, I mean, I kind of come from painting background, a uh, cartooning, you know, comic book kind of background. Mm -hmm. Um, And... You know, before, like, I got into the stories, you know, it was just, like, draw a person, you know, sitting here, you know, like, or draw, you know, you know, Superman, you know, flying or, you know. Right. I mean, it it didn't really, there wasn't a deeper level to it that I feel like there is now where where I can try to, you know, take it from a beginning to a middle to an end in one frame. Yeah. I mean, maybe the maybe the beginning and the end happen in the viewer's mind. Yeah, but you know, that's that's the story.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. I mean, the fact that you can give the middle and it inspires the beginning and end—that's that -hmm. means you're doing a good job, right? That's that's got to be the approach. Speaking of painting and starting in painting, do you are you still painting at all?
2: Um, not as much as I would like to be. Um, I don't really have a, a set up uh, studio area right now. Um, back when, you know, it was, it was a few years ago, I lived in a different house. I had a, a whole, you know, attic upstairs area for my art. Um, and that's where I did a lot of paintings. Um, but right now, I mean, I, I have a lot of, like commission work and stuff that I'm doing, you know, digitally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's all on the iPad. So it's <laughs> my, my studio is the couch at this point. <laughs> you know? yeah. And that, that all really kind of, you know, uh, came from quarantine <laughs> and, you know, just like sitting down and, you know, trying to, you know, get that same, you know, feeling of like just you know, putting artwork out, but yeah. on a smaller scale. But it also, you know, turned into a larger scale, you know, yeah. as well, you know, you know, on the iPad. So, um, I would like to definitely get a, a studio space set up again so that I can start doing some more stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's kind of fallen off at this point.
1: See, my my daughter paints, and she has recently, the last few months, she's kind of transitioning a little spending more time on the iPad, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, I miss the mess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, you definitely do. You definitely do. Um, I'm not, I mean, I, I normally do like, uh, acrylic paintings. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like my go-to medium. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I can, I can just remember, like, my my studio would, like, have, you know, I would work on, like, these cardboard sheets, just, like, you know, putting, you know, globs of paint all over these cardboard sheets, you know, like, the big cardboard sheet, like, Bob Ross, you know, like, the (laughs) big palette, Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and after, after a painting, the cardboard sheet is almost a painting in and of of itself, you know, I mean, it's, like, it's, it's a work of art itself. Right. Um, so yeah I, I definitely see that um, and I do miss that as well
1: yeah she um, I, that just that phrase stuck with me like I miss the mess you know that can um, be a shirt right yeah <laughs> um, but she because she always she actually has one of the like fiber, fiberglass palettes that mm-hmm. she uses when she paints and afterward I like that you said that, like, the the sheet, your palette is almost a piece in itself. Because when she's finished painting, a can- when she finishes a canvas, she does almost like a like a print of the palette on on a separate piece. Really? Wow. Yeah, and That's she's thinking like, <laughs> yeah, because she's like the, and she. Says that it's an abstract representation of her process. Wow! Right, that's the way she described it. <laughs> wow! Right, yeah, nice. And like, that's yeah, it's pretty awesome. And those are my favorite things she makes are the 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 printing of it's. I mean, it's literally almost a um, it's like a press print of the palette. You know,
2: does she sell this?
1: No, she keeps those for herself. But, yeah, but she but yeah, she sells her work, the actual cool. work, yeah, but yeah, that's that's cool I'm I hope you get back to to more painting at some point
2: no I, I definitely will i I definitely get bit by the bug every now and then and you know, have to do something,
1: just break it all out,
2: yeah, I mean,'m I'm, I'm just like a, I'm a project person, like I have to have something or multiple things going on at you know any given time, yeah, um, and sometimes you know, Sometimes I have to paint something. Sometimes I have to, you know, build a cigar box guitar
1: for whatever freaking reason. <laughs> I, don't,
0: right.
2: I don't know, like, I've, I, I've gone through, like, weird phases of, like, just, you know, different projects. and
1: Yeah, I've been like that most of my life, too.
2: My brain's just weird like that, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, like, I, I've always been, like, a phase person. Like, mm-hmm. I'll spend, like, six months really loving, like art and I'll spend six months drawing and all that and then I'll spend six months playing guitar three hours a day mm-hmm. and then I, and I just like move through these phases I'll spend you know six months writing constantly um, that's one thing I've really liked about the podcast is it's like focused me
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know like now I know every day I'm gonna spend three hours writing
2: <laughs> sometimes I feel like though like when I get into a focused, like, you know, groove. Mm-hmm. I start to think maybe I need to do something different now.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Do you do that too? Like- See, I've that I started to feel that way, and uh, probably about four months in to the podcast, I started feeling like, is this too much? Am I, or do I need to like get inspired by something else?" Or you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but I've found what like satiates that is instead of the going through like blocked out phases like I did before I have been able to like kind of pepper in the other things you know throughout the day so instead of like on top of the three hours of writing I'll sit down and you know record myself playing guitar for a half hour you know or I'll just sit down and like draw a hopkinsville goblin you know what i mean like and then just that's it that's all the drawing i'm gonna do and then i go back to writing um but yeah i'm it helps it's it's definitely helped keep me focused too like i think i've figured out now that i'm 35 years old i have figured out that i can like do all the things that i love doing yeah, like I have room for all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't have to just focus on one thing. Yeah, we're doing
1: all the things. Exactly, all the things. <laughs> Renaissance men. Yes, right. Yeah, uh,
2: I, I feel it that too. That's, uh, that's right.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> um, okay, so anyone that follows your work, no, like it's pretty obvious that you're. You're definitely into Bigfoot, right?
2: I, am. I do. I do like some Bigfoot.
1: So, like, what's your like leading theory on the nature of of Sasquatch? What do you lean toward?
2: Um, I I definitely lean more toward the flesh and blood Bigfoot, but um, I do I do like to flip flop a little bit, um, and I I think I can. You know i can afford to do that i'm not like a boots on the ground researcher you know i don't have you know any skin in the game at all like um yeah nobody nobody you know with you know any bigfoot clout gives a shit what i have to say about about <laughs> bigfoot so i mean i can sort of you know jump back and forth if i want to yeah and as an artist you know sometimes it's fun to do that um but I, I do tend to, to lean a little bit more towards, like, a, a physical being. Yeah. Um, where that being comes from, you know, it's kind of up in the air. Um, I do like the, you know, interdimensional kind of... Uh, I do like that. I do like um, extraterrestrial theories. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I, I don't, I don't have a, a concrete answer for you. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but yeah, I, I flip flop.
1: <laughs> Dude, I like that. I I love that you were like, nobody cares. Like, so I can just, you know, I can think this on Monday and think that on Tuesday, right? It, I do that. <laughs> I
2: mean, yeah. Um, if you were to look at my Bigfoot bookshelf, you would see Jeff Meldrum on the left side and you would see Timothy Renner on the right side. Right. Um, it's like it's the full range. Up, it's up in the air. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I love that. I'm, I'm a big fan of who the fuck knows. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I. I'm comfortable with that answer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I like, I like to just stay open for all the possibilities. To me, I mean, maybe there are a thousand different Sasquatches, and they all maybe there are thousands of different different origins you know and and realities of what a sasquatch is And effectively since no one actually knows that's mm-hmm. what it is right right yeah like they all exist all different versions exist yeah um i'd love to see you do like a an ultra terrestrial bigfoot piece have you done
2: one of those I, i've done i've done uh sort of like you know weirder ones um mm-hmm. but no i mean recently i've been doing a lot of like really you know very physical like yeah animalistic you know bigfoot uh yeah. drawings and paintings um and uh, i don't know why i mean i feel like a lot of my reference material comes from great apes right. so maybe that's why uh it's sort of transitioned that way but um, no, I I definitely am interested in trying to capture you know a little bit weirder uh, you know Bigfoot portrayals in my work as well. So yeah, I'm I'll, I'll, I'm definitely gonna try to do that at some point.
1: I'd love to see like like semi-transparent Bigfoot like stepping through a portal, controlling floating orbs. That would be dope. Yeah, right? actually,
2: i I did do one. This was sort of like before I developed really like the the painted, you know, digital painted style that I kind of have gone with. Yeah, um, and this was like early on, but I did I did this one where it was a bigfoot just sort of like strutting through the forest, and there was these just orbs like all around him. Nice and. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I love that stuff too. Like, I I definitely want to. I should definitely start doing
1: some more stuff, like, weirder stuff. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I'll
2: I'll go through a weird phase here pretty soon.
1: Well, I'm. Count me very excited (laughs) for that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of your work, I think everyone in the community agrees that you're, like, wildly productive. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and there's not really a question there. I just off to you, but like honestly, any like productivity tips? Oh, like geez. how how do you manage to to like keep up with the output that you have? I don't know. <laughs> I don't,
2: yeah, I mean, like uh, not having a social life, you know, living out in the middle of nowhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, can confirm those things are very helpful. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> yeah, um,
2: but yeah, I mean, I I do this as much, you know, for a job as I do for enjoyment. Um, and I think just the fact that I enjoy and I get inspired by a lot of these projects that come my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm finding more and more, like, if if someone comes to me with a project that I'm just not down with, like, I'm not going to do it. Okay. I mean, I I do have a nine-to-five job, you know, that, you know, pays, <laughs> pays yeah. me pretty well. You know, I mean, I can, you know, live off of it. Uh, and I can do this on the side. And, you know, I I, I try to take the, the jobs that inspire me. So I think that has a lot to do with my productivity is just uh, each project trying to find something that's just like makes me want to stay up all night doing this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, if that makes sense to you. yeah.
1: No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's way easier to be... To be productive when you're doing something you love doing, right? Right. Yeah. Like,
2: like I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm a, a project person, and when I get a project in my mind, you know, I, I can visualize it. Yeah. And I need to, I need to hold it in my hand, you know. Right. And it's the same way with, with these, you know, art projects. Um, yeah. So yeah.
1: That's probably the biggest productivity tip ever, right? Like, love what you're doing, and it's. Yeah. It makes it all easier yeah. i mean i even week to week for the podcast i notice a difference if i'm like really into the story i'm writing yeah it's so much easier it's in some weeks i'll admit are a struggle you know what i mean mm-hmm. like yeah i'm like man this this one is not as inspiring and you just kind of have to like trudge through and tell the best story you can and what are
2: uh, what are the the easiest stories for you to tell? Like types of stories.
1: Okay. Um I will say I love a good mystery. Mm-hmm. And obviously almost everything we do is mysterious in some form or another, but like the straight up mysteries like The Island More Lighthouse Mystery. Dude, I was, was just about to ask did. you. Like
2: that one, that was an awesome episode. Dude. And I could tell you guys you guys went in for that one.
1: Yes. I loved that episode so much. Um, that was cool. Also the um Nahani Valley mm-hmm. our episode on Nahani Valley in Northwest Territories that was that one went like that. I mean. And this rec- this most recent Episode that I did on the Ozark Hauer. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, that was tight. That was a good episode. That was that story was like a thirty-minute audio drama. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: At the end, you guys were like, "This was the longest one we've ever done
1: by a long shot." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, I wrote the first draft for that in about four hours. Like, I just sat down at my computer and started writing, yes, and it was like (laughs) time travel. It was suddenly, it was four hours later, and I was sitting in front of 55 pages. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, but every once in a while, I come across one like that, and it's like, I just love every word I'm typing, I get more excited about oh, yeah. what I'm making you know
2: like that one that one I could I could see that one like unfolding as like a film in my head
1: yes that's awesome
2: that was that was yeah definitely fantastic writing
1: thank you that's that's what I that's what I want to hear that's what I was really going for and like it kind of sparked something in me that like I think might inspire a future project mm-hmm. you know which cool. is awesome which is always awesome I'm like constantly adding to a list of things I want to do with my life. So,
2: (laughs) well, if I can help you at all, let me know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll do that for sure. So before we finish, I just wanted to ask you, who is your favorite visual artist of all time?
2: Oh, geez. Uh, I'll probably have to go with um, Jack Kirby. Um, not of Paranormality magazine, <laughs> yeah. of of Marvel Comics. Yeah, of course. And that's you know that that goes back to you know the early days of my childhood. Um, my dad worked as a printer, and you know he would bring home these huge reams of like white paper, you know pads, and we would put them out on you know the the kitchen table, and you know we would have pens and pencils and markers and paintbrushes and stuff and we would just like sit there and draw and most of the time we would you know pull out his comic collection and you know he was a huge you know Marvel Comics nerd and so we would have you know like Captain America and Thor and you know all those you know early like 60s and 70s Jack Kirby uh, drawings out there and I would you know would draw from them so I, I think that's probably you know he was probably one of my very early influences so I'd probably have to go with Jack Kirby.
1: That's yeah, that's an awesome answer. Dude, I can't help but feel like our dads would have been like best friends. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Every everything you describe, I'm like, man, that sounds just like my dad. <laughs> yeah. He was, like I grew up he had like all the like you remember um in the nineties how they had like comic book cards? Yeah, yeah. The like Yeah, and it was like a thing
2: yeah to, we, to we had them. um we had what was the artist was uh hildebrandt yes the Hildebrands. Uh-huh. yeah they had these awesome comic cards that we would get like we would just get like stacks and stacks of them yeah and they were just like the coolest illustrations like painted illustrations yeah um i think that's what you're talking about right like, yes something it like is that.
1: yeah they were like comic they were like trading cards with with character with comic book characters on them
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: um my dope. dad had, like, three or four albums of just, like, page after page of those. And he would, like, buy full sets. Like, he was a huge comic book nerd. He had, like, you know, I grew up... He had his... My parents shared a closet because the other closet was filled with those white comic book boxes. <laughs> yes.
2: You know? yes. Yeah. To this day, to this yes. day, John Dodd, my dad, has... Tons and tons of these white boxes. Yeah, yeah. He sold yeah. off most of his um, Silver Age uh, Marvel comics within the last like decade, but um, he had a he had a huge collection.
1: Yeah, same same with mine, man. I think in like the early two thousands, he sold a lot of a lot of his older stuff, but like he still, I mean, still yeah, still he still has an insane amount of comic books. Yeah, so, they would be man. they would be best friends. See,
2: man. <laughs> what's his phone number? I'm gonna give it to my dad.
1: Right? Yeah, we'll have to connect them. <laughs> this was awesome. I'm, yeah, man,
2: dude, this is so much fun. Yeah, this is great.
1: Actually, I'm curious about one more thing. Okay. Because I, you mentioned a, a, doing a ton of commission work, and I know we talked a little bit about it with the painting, but like, do you still? Is it still important to you to make time? to create for you
2: oh yeah 100 percent um and actually i've I've kind of run into this very recently um where i'm just like i can't get into something like a, a certain commission if i'm still thinking about you know something that you know a project that i've been wanting to do yeah so i'm like it's, it's definitely like a push and pull kind of thing where I was like, I got to work on this for, you know, an hour or two, but then I get to do, do my thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it's a lot like what we were talking about before, but like where we get to do all the things now. Like, yeah we, you know, we can make time to do all the things. yeah um, And so, yeah, that, that is very important to me to be able to, uh, you know, realize these, you know, you know, more lofty projects, I guess, that I have in my head that, you know, I've been wanting to do for a while while simultaneously getting to do, you know, art for profit as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, on top of that, like you mentioned, you're pretty much at this point only taking projects that like spark your interest anyway. Right. Yeah. So like that's, that's win-win that's yeah, that's really cool. And I think that decision to to turn down the ones that don't that don't really like spark that interest in you, I think also that makes that keeps your work at a at a higher level too. Because it's almost undoubted that the work you do that you love is gonna be better work. Right. You know, it's gonna be of higher quality, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm hyped about this interview. I think it was This awesome. is gonna
2: be a good one. Cool. Yeah, a good one. I
1: it's mean, a ton they're, of fun. they're all good.
2: They're all good, Jordan. <laughs> they're all <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, I, yeah. I listen to every single one of them. Do you um, really? I, yeah, yeah, I do. I just listened to the the one with uh, Greg today. Oh yeah, uh, all the weird Greg. One of my all time favorites. Sam, that was a, that was a fantastic interview.
1: Yeah, Greg is an awesome guy. Love Greg. Okay, so before we go, tell the people how. How to find you, anything to look forward to from you?
2: Oh, geez. Um, so I have some I have a beer label coming out um, from Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company. Uh, They're a West Virginia uh, brewing company. Um, they just released my other one, which was a, a Braxy uh, beer. Um, this one coming out uh, is not cryptid related. It's a little bit different, but it definitely inspired me. Um, it's it's based on uh, Chuck Yeager uh, breaking the sound barrier, mm-hmm. um, and his plane that he named after his wife. Uh, it's called the Glamorous Glennis. Nice. So yeah, it's 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 a, a little bit more of a romantic beer, <laughs> cool, you could say. Cool. And I, I was I was really stoked to do the design for it. Um, it's gonna be coming out here pretty soon within the next couple months. Uh, and then let's see, I have a couple things coming out for Small Town Monsters. Um, they're gonna be releasing a couple, well, a bunch of new movies, as yeah. you know.
1: Um, think like what, four this year?
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. Like four, four or six movies, something like that. Um, they got a bunch of stuff coming out, but, um, I'm going to be doing some work with them. Uh, Also, uh, Monsters Among Us podcast. Uh, Derek Hayes is putting together a documentary, which Mm -hmm. I'm doing some uh, illustration work for. Um, That's going to be really cool. I'm still working on a lot of that. Uh, It's been a huge project. Yes. Um, It's been absolutely huge. (laughs) I think it's, it's been the better part of a year working on that.
1: Dude, in my experience, Derek Hayes only does huge projects. Yes, yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, and this, yeah, this is gonna be pretty massive. Um, I'm almost done with it, though. I'm I'm so close to being done with it, but I'm so stoked for it. It's gonna be great. It's called uh, Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Borrego Triangle, and hopefully that'll be coming out here pretty soon. But yeah, those are those are like the the big projects I've been working on. And if anybody's interested and they want to check out my artwork uh, they can check out my Instagram uh, which is Jonathan Dodd underscore draws and I also have a website JonathanDoddDraws.com
1: Definitely go to the website
2: (laughs) Yeah, definitely go to the website (laughs) definitely look at uh, all of the artwork there
1: Honestly, it was like (laughs) we were playing around about it in Clubhouse last night, but like I really did in that moment go to the website and the gallery's fantastic. It's just feeding from my Instagram, so yeah, I mean it's cool though because it's like it's not like broken up and it doesn't have the like all the all the captions and comments and stuff. Like you can literally just scroll through and look at this huge gallery of artwork. And I guess effectively that's what instagram is but i don't know just seeing it different like that (laughs) i i really enjoyed the experience of the website for sure good good. yeah awesome man well thank you so much for coming on the show thank you thanks for having me you're 100 percent welcome back anytime cool anytime yeah let me know man thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild
0: creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes or just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Campfire Sau on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at CampfirePodcastNetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket, buy a pillow, anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.